Here we go. Here we go. Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? Everything's well, man. How you doing? Ah, uh, man, I'm doing well as well, man. This is like a, a beautiful weather outside, man. It's like 74, you know what I'm saying? The sun is out. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> but also, Yeah, but also we have a special guest. We have Ted Green on the line. How's it going? Good. Uh, good, guys. We got a little bit warmer here, but we got sun. So I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. So it's a little, we got some heat yet. We ain't hitting the snow yet. <laughs> long as the sun is out, we good. <laughs> yep, that's it. I'm on the green side of grass and the sun is out. So life is go. good. I would say it's the first question that we normally ask is, uh, you know, how many kids you got? What are their ages? And, uh, and what do you do professionally? Um, well, I got two kids, a boy and a girl. The boy's the oldest. Uh, both uh, are college athletes. And uh, he's 26 now, hard to believe. And she's 23, uh, both employed. He works for, uh, he just changed jobs. He's an accountant and got tired of all the tax laws and that. And so he's now working with a uh, real estate acquisition firm. And my daughter, she works for the local health department here running the uh, COVID clinics. Uh, she graduated from college last year. So, and what do I do professionally? Uh, I've been in law enforcement since 1982. So for almost 40 years, I've been a police officer, detective, and now a sheriff's deputy at a rural, small rural uh, county. So was a police officer with the Omaha Police Division for 25 years. And then after retired, I just love the work and getting with people and helping people out that way. So had to stick with it. And I've been fortunate to be doing that now. So I'm yours. I'm open to anything and there's nothing off the books. I'm not afraid of anything. Okay. So <laughs> you, guys, you guys can roll with it. May not like it, but <laughs> the answers, but we'll roll with it. Cool. Cool. I appreciate your openness. Um, so I guess like the first question I would like to ask you is how did being a police officer impact, um, you know, your family and you being a father? You know, the, I think the hardest thing in talking to the kids, um, when they were young, it was always dad, you know, have you ever caught a bad guy? You catch, How many bad guys you catch today? And so as I bring them through that, it's, it's like, I don't, catch many bad people I just catch people that make the wrong decisions in life and uh, I think two of the biggest accolades I got um, come from guys that are in the federal pen and they were like the first you're the first first man in my life that's told me the truth and they, they I got them in my desk at work um, so affecting them um, of course, I let them know if anything happens to me, I I went out doing something I love. So can't argue with that. Um, that's the way it goes. So I've been fortunate, very fortunate in my career. So that's 
that's where I roll with that, Doc. It's pretty simple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so you said uh, that the, the men who you interacted with in the um, in the prison said that you were the first person in their life that told them the truth, or the first man that told them the truth. And you know, like the saying that the truth will set you free, right? Right. So in general, what are some things that, uh, what are some truths that men need to have in order to be men? And what are some of the lies that we're told that prevent us from accomplishing that goal of becoming a man? You know, the biggest thing is, is that I, I, I truly believe this, that we hear equal rights for men and women, but there's only one captain on a ship. And it just depends on where that ship is on who's going to be the captain. Like my wife's a nurse. And so she watches over the health part of it. And I got to let her take control of that. Other stuff, you know, I work with and she lets me handle that stuff. So it's, it goes both ways. And, you know, there's, I truly believe that men need to practice, um, you know, the four faces of true manhood, and that's being a king or a leader, and then a warrior and a lover and a friend. And you got to go through all those um, and know when to use them and how to use them. And most of us, including myself, you know, about 85% of who we are were formed by eight, seven, eight years of age. We're, I mean, it's, the groundwork's laid. And a lot of the guys that I dealt with, um, there are three things a kid has to hear from their dad. From their dad. They got to hear it from their dad. And that's one is I love you. Mm. And then two is I'm proud of you. And then three is you're good at whatever. I mean, you, you pick out with your child, you know, you're good at something. And most of the guys that have suffered, including myself, we didn't hear those growing up. You know, we, if you just, you didn't hear those, you just went through with it. And a lot of it was our fathers having to deal with what, what wounds they grew up with. And it's kind of like I was telling you earlier, doctor, that, you know, it's our group here, we mentor men to be men, to be, we were men mentoring men to be authentic men. And you got to take a dive, you know, you take a sacrifice, my sacrifice, uh, my kids growing up, I put them first. And I, professionally, the biggest thing a man can give his kids is time, time, you give them time, no matter what, just give them time. Uh, you be with them. That's the main thing. Yeah, so uh, your your role as a police officer and as a as a detective kind of resonates with me uh, a lot, Ted. Because my grandfather, uh, he has my name. I got my name from him, Royce uh, Royce Johnson. He was a uh, investigator and a uh, and a commander in, in Maywood in Maywood Police right out here in, near Chicago. Okay, thirty years. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so. Uh, can you talk about your experience? So, so what about your experience as a, as a police officer carried over to you as a father? Um, the biggest thing is being honest with the kids. 
and, and making sure they're honest with the people. Be upfront. You don't have to be confrontational, but be strong in your beliefs. And, you know, I, even going through school, I said, you know, I would tell them that <clears throat> you're going to have issues in school, but understand when you're in my house, it's my rules. When you're in their house, it's their rules. And it's okay to talk about those rules as long as you don't disrespect your teachers or your principal or whoever it is, you know, you, you're going to get called in. I mean, that's just it. You're going to get called on the carpet. You got a side, they got a side. I'll back you, but you screw up. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You know, you just know there's a line in the sand and there's got to be a line in the sand and you don't want to do it. And I actually, with my son, he was a high school three sport athlete and then in college played quarterback. But uh, he had an opportunity at a young age and got called in. He, I don't know what it was. He was, they were jacking around in school and teenage boy. That's the way it is. And I get called into the office and, you know, the principal's telling me what's going on. And I turned and looked at my son in the eye and I says, you remember what our deal was at the beginning of school? I said, third time, sports is out, man. You're going to lose out. And he knew I was a man of, <laughs> he knew he had crossed the line, right? And baseball season's coming up and he was doing pretty good pitching in that. Of course, then the principal, he hears that and sees the reaction from my son. And he takes me outside his office. He says, oh, Mr. Green, I didn't mean, you know, he shouldn't lose out on sports. He's going to be a great athlete. You can't, you can't do that. And I said, yeah, I can because I'm his dad. But you're going to walk in there. And you're going to tell them you talk me out of it. And you're going to, you'll get the respect. And I said, that's where I want him to go. I want him to end up at respecting what you did for him. I get it. So we, we kind of laugh about it. My son, he's, I'm 6'8", 300 pounds. He's 6'6", 230. So pretty good size people walking around. And we still kind of laugh about it. So. Anyway, but it, you know, there, there is a line in saying right and wrong. And, and that's, you know, when we talk to these guys, they're coming out of, uh, we first started in our local county jail. And I thought uh, we took what was called the uh, Authentic Manhood series by Dr. Robert Lewis and took that into the, I, we cut it down and took it into the eight week program in the jail. And, you know, I'm concerned. I'm a cop going into the jail to mentor these guys. You know, that, that was a big leap of faith faith for me. You know, you're going to go in there for a couple hours once a week and be inside. And we had about 30 guys sign up and it came down to the first night. They asked everybody what they did. And I made a deal with these guys. I said, I'll tell you what I do at the end of eight weeks, as long as you stay here with me for eight weeks. And out of those 30 guys, one guy got pissed off and said, I was in there looking for snitches and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, one out of 30 ain't bad. So I figured we had good attendance. Guys didn't want to miss it. And the guys are still doing it now. I think 12 years now we've been doing it in the jail, trying to break through this COVID deal. And then now down and then all also at the open door mission. So. Next up.
Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, I want to go back to like the story that you told about your son and the principal. Mm-hmm. That, that was a pretty wise move that you, you know, that you, you did uh, in that situation. Um, do you feel like you're a wise man? And if you do, where do you feel like you got that wisdom from? I'd say, I'd say from life going through. There's a lot of guys in my profession, you know, they go to college and they get on at a young age. And, you know, let's be for real. That carries a lot of, I mean, you got a lot of power, you know, when you're a cop and you wear that badge and you got to respect that big time. Now, I, I kind of went down the other way. I, w- I was in working in warehouses, driving a truck, drove over the road, did did three years of college and uh, moved furniture, worked construction, worked in some manufacturing, uh, retail, and all those jobs prepared me for dealing with people. I mean, in one day, I guess the biggest thing that I credit to is um, I had a guy that was had a fifth grade education and trying to talk with him. And then later on that night, I'm talking to a Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force, you know, so the spectrum was just immense. And, you know, I don't knock education, but I think just life in general, I mean, helps so many people as long as you got somebody there guiding you and helping you along the way. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, like, um, I like what you said about, like, as far as the education aspect, because a lot of times, um, and plus, you know, you having a background of working with um, people that's incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when people, um, they're incarcerated and they get out or something, and, you know, uh, they go back, people tend to, to say that they're um, institutionalized. Right. And we don't look at it in the reverse where other, not the reverse, but the other end of the spectrum where if people are, um, I guess, are into education like that, they can become institutionalized as well. Absolutely. And have, you know, the capacity to, to deal with other people. So I, I like what you're saying. It's, it's, I had a conversation with one of the guys in our Bible study last week and he was, you know, they, everybody wants to bring up the race issue with law enforcement. And his wife is a nurse. And his wife, you know, we've been struggling. Everybody's been struggling with the pandemic and COVID and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's really, you know, everybody's got to wear a mask. Everybody's got to vac- vaccinate and do all this. And I'm worried, you know, so worried for my wife. And she's freaking out because everything's overdone. And she's seeing sick people. I said, well, she's in the hospital. You know, you're going to see the sickest of the sickest. I mean, that, that, so I get it where you're coming from and you're worried, but we need to have our faith in man upstairs. You know, he, we got to put our faith and that's where I put my faith for 40 years. And, uh, I've been lucky and, and, and I'm talking to this guy last week and I said, and he's, you know, politically opposite of me. And I said, look, I said, I'm going to give you a cop's perspective. I said, let's go to the white community, brown community, and black community. 
there's good and bad in all those communities. But you as a cop, all you see is the bad. You get called to the bad situations in white, brown, and black. You don't get called for Sunday brunch or dinner, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you can become so tainted in that, uh, you know, if you just stick to that and identify as that. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of guys do. I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I, everybody's got a clean slate with me right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Um, yeah, I think that's important to look at everybody as a, a clean slate, like you don't know yeah. until you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until you know and find out where yeah. you're going to go with them. And, that, and that that means so much, I think, to to kids now. I know my daughter; they're they wonder where she gets all of her wisdom. You know, a year out of college, and you know, like I said, she's running these clinics now, a year out of college, and. Of course, I got to, I'll know, never let her know, but I said, you get all that from me. That wisdom is me and you, and we have fun bantering on that. So she knows better, and so do I. But, it, you know, you got to be that in, in life. And life's going to be so much easier if you do that. It really is. Um, Giving yeah. people a clean slate. And, I think that, you know, I had a lot of guys, like I said, a lot of guys that came in there, uh, even in the open door halfway house, you know, they're coming out of the prison and the corrections and that or addiction programs. And it, it freaked them out at first. Um, and when they found out what I did, and one of the guys sat down me, he's hardcore. He's hardcore Latin King. And uh, sat down next to me, man, and he was, he was, uh, well, he admitted to me he was an enforcer at the time. And then when he found out what I did, he really freaked out. And about the third night, he just broke down in tears, finally got him to open up and broke down in tears. And the guy's, he's married now, got a, a pretty, real pretty baby girl. And he's got his, he got his barber license. So he's cutting hair. He's on, you know, he's on track. I mean, he's just going through life uh, the way it should be, you know, the way men, men are supposed to be. Uh, I mean, that's what it's about. And I think society is beaten. You look at, you know, some of the TV shows and they portray, so many portray men as being dumb or overbearing and, you know, all this other stuff. That's, that's not reality, I don't think so. Yeah. So, uh, so to talk about uh, your dad, like, what was your dad like, and uh, when you were growing up, and also, uh, what was some, what was one of the biggest lessons, or some of the biggest lessons your dad taught you growing up? Well, it was pretty hard in my household. He was a he was a practicing alcoholic. Um, Pretty brutal for the first 10 years of my life, I guess. Um, back then, it wasn't thought that way. But nowadays, he'd go to jail for what he did to me. And uh, I, the youngest memory I have is him being taken off by two cops into a cruiser, um, threatened us with a 
a gun. Fortunately, he went out, got into AA, cleaned his, cleaned his act up. Uh, he was college educated. Um, and I wish things, you know, would have gotten better between us sooner. But um, <clears throat> he passed about 11 months after my son was born. <clears throat> So we didn't, we had, we had quite a bit of time to, to make up those lost years, but it was real tough. And the biggest thing he even said when, uh, you know, I got on, when I got on the department the first time, he, that's basically where I got it from. You give everybody a clean slate when you meet them. They got a clean slate. Let them dictate to you where they're going to go. And some people are going to be nice to you and some people ain't but give them a clean slate. So that was probably the best advice I got from him uh, going through everything. Cause there was, there was a lot of negativity growing up in that as you guys, you know, you guys have heard that. Um, and, you know, I talked about those three things that a, that a child has to hear from their dad in that order. You know, I love you. I'm proud of you and you're good at, well, the only thing I ever got was I love you. I wasn't, you know, wasn't good at anything. He wasn't proud of me for anything growing up. So where do you go? You know, I, I was one of those athletes in high school that my English teacher came to me and said, I understand you got basketball scholarships and I was going to fail English, you know, core, <laughs> core school. And I just, I didn't have any desire. And now I chuckle about it. I said, if my English teacher would see me now, she'd roll over in her grave, writing the reports that I write and the search warrants and stuff like that. So anyway, it's, we all got a story. Every, every guy's got a story, every one of us. And it's how we deal with those issues. So hopefully you don't, most guys, you know, a lot of guys like to turn to the bottle. I saw that, I said, nope. That ain't gonna happen to me. Um, some turn to drugs, some turn to sex, gambling, you name it. You know, porn, it's all out there. And that's just escape routes. That's crutches for guys. That's all. Was your uh, was your father a big man? I know you said it's your six eight and your son is six six. Uh, how how big was your dad? Yeah, my dad, he well, he was six four, mom was six two, so. They were yeah. tall for their generation. <laughs> yeah. Real tall. So anyway, yeah, he was he was a big man, but uh staunch in his views, but he always, you know, he did he carried on work and that was a big thing. You work hard, you're not gonna, you know, life isn't free. So you gotta work hard to get ahead and treat everybody with a clean slate. You went that way. So it was huge. I know you, um, you said that you and your dad, like you all had some time to reconcile. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, were you able, during that time, were you able to like get things off your chest and tell him like everything that you wanted to tell him or how you felt about, you know, how things were growing up? Probably not everything, you know, um, in that quest for authentic manhood we there's a part where you go back and address dad at the you know as 
have his grave site and write him a letter. And we've had several guys do that. And I, you know, I've done that um, with him, but it's, it's not the same. It helps, but it's not the same as being able to get everything off your chest, you know, that you wanted to. Um, it's probably the biggest, the biggest one with my father. Uh, I got a full scholarship to play basketball. And uh, I knew I wasn't a good student, you know, obviously. And I wanted to go to a JUCO college. And I had already signed with a four-year school. And he says, you got a full ride. You're going to go to that school. You're going to be a man of your word. And the JUCO college, I wanted to go to the coach. He's like, no, no, that's four-year school. You can drop out of that scholarship. And he said, I really want you to come up here and play for me. And my old man was like, nope, nope, nope. You're going to go down to this four-year school. Well, I lasted a semester or one year there. And the JUCO college I wanted to go to, they won the national championship for the two years I would have been there. So that really, you know, that drove a big-time wound in, in between us. You know, hey, he wanted, he wanted to be a doctor in his life. And he wanted a doctor for me. I didn't, I, no, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a cop. So that's just the way it was, you know. And I didn't continue on with ball after that and had a good year. And I was, you know, there wasn't a lot of support there from him at that point because he wanted, so, you know, he wasn't allowing me to go my path and supporting me. He wanted me on his path. And that's that overbearing father wound that a lot of us will go through. So. But it's cool. So I learned from that, you know, on my son. And my, you know, I, I said they were college athletes. So he played baseball, basketball, football. And my daughter played bas uh, basketball and volleyball. And they're both asking me, well, are we going to play basketball, Dad? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you choose your own path on this. This is all you. And so I'll do whatever it takes. For you guys to get wherever you want in sports, but your grade's got to be there, and you this is your decision. I'm not telling you what to play or how to do it. So, one ended up football in college, and the other was uh, all conference volleyball player. So, yeah. Anyway, so you learn from your past. You know that's that's the point there. You learn, and you use that to your advantage. In my book, so. So Ted, talk talk to me uh, talk to me about your kids. So uh, if you had to if you had to say which one of your kids is most like you, which one would you pick and why? Oh, my daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter. She's the second. So she's she's going to come at you full bore. I mean, with whatever her viewpoint is. It, it, <laughs> she ain't back and she's coming at you you better be prepared for it so and my son has some of that but he's got he's he's got a more tender heart like my wife does so she's she if you're going to come talk to her you better have your t's crossed and your eyes dotted because she, <laughs> she picked up on that from the old man real quick
and it, you know, she, we had a big discussion with some family with my mother. She was probably part of the women's movement back in the sixties and seventies and worked her way up. And I raised both my kids the same. My daughter, you know, she'll know how to change her, change her oil in her car, change the tires. Uh-huh. We love to hunt. We love to fish. So she's getting all that. I don't separate, you know, the, it's not you go back to the house and clean house girl or you do laundry or, you know, go get your fingernails done. You're going to get dirty with me and we're going to go out. I'm, you're both going to be the same. And she and my niece tried calling me the original feminist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't go over very well with either one of them. And I'm like, how about let's just call me an authentic man. How about that? Now they wanted to stick with the feminists. So they crossed the line and they saw it. And my sister was there with her daughter. <laughs> my sister even said, he told you not to go down this path. Two or three <laughs> times, don't go down this path. So you got fair warning, and but it's all good. You know, you, you continue to talk and have a good time. But I'm like, you know, when you grow up in the 60s, the word feminist isn't what it is now. You know, it's not the same. So I didn't have no bra back then and I wasn't burning. That was a feminist back then. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's interesting, man. And, and this year, like not this year, but in the, these times, you know, 2021, yeah. um, women are a little bit different than, yeah. than they used to be. Um, and I feel like it's harder and it, you kind of spoke on it a little bit earlier when you was talking about like when you watch the TV, like all the men are dumb or there, you know, something's like something's wrong with them. <laughs> um, right. It's harder to be like an authentic man that you described. It is. So uh, can you talk about that a little bit more and like how society is kind of pushing, you know, um, but yeah, in a way, kind of. Yeah, you. I mean, I. You know, like I said earlier we're who we are pretty much about 85% of who we are by the time we're eight to 10 years old. You're, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's your, when you, when people look at you, they'll say like, in my case, well, where'd you get your height? Well, you know, you get your eyes. Oh, you look like your mom here. You got your dad's ears, whatever, but nobody really talks about what's inside here. You know, where, where, where's this character at here? And some of these talk shows that that go down on on men and they're all chirping. We're designed to be together, man and a woman. Yeah. And that just didn't happen. Okay. And in a default situation, I don't care where you're at, what community you're at, in a default situation, men should, an authentic man should default to a logical response in a crisis situation. Women will respond in a crisis situation. Their default is emotional because women are the emotional background of the family and men should be preparing their kids for the world. And women need to prepare their kids for the emotional stability in the family. That's that. And I've seen that time and time again, man. I mean, Think about if you ever see a, a two women fight versus two men fight. I mean, it, and I've been in the thick of both. So 
I'd much rather fight with a couple of guys than two girls because it's just, I mean, it's, and, and it's not putting them down. It's just that we're designed differently. And so as I, this quest for authentic manhood, um, you know, we were going through that and I started looking at it because I mean, in my career, I spent seven years out in the Mark Cruisers in for in North Omaha, which would be the black part of the black. We have North and South Omaha and West Omaha. And black community is pretty much in on the North side. And then the other 18 years I spent in narcotics, the gang unit, gun unit, homicide, child abuse. So I stayed not like burglary or robbery or auto theft. I stayed with the people side of it. And people would ask me, and still do, with your experience, like in the gang unit, what's the scoop? And, I, and I'm flat out. I said, you know, it's an absent father. These guys didn't have a, you, I'll talk to them, and the vast majority of the guys will tell you, my dad wasn't there. And so what do they default to? You know, they defaulted to that manhood. That, that manhood experience, what you guys are doing in this with the podcast and what you're doing. I mean, this is what it's all about. It's men working with men, talking out the issues of, you know, what you have, you know, it's not, you ain't going to come home every day and get a kiss and say, I love you, you know, from your spouse. It just ain't going to, that's not real. That's TV. You know, that's old school TV stuff, but you work through that. And when you don't have that, now you start looking at these guys, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it, and it's still, it drives me nuts. They had here and you guys, they had what, eight kids under the age of 16 shot over one weekend about a month ago. I mean, that's just hard to take. I don't care where you're at. And these guys, you know, I mentioned my kids know how to shoot. I mean, we hunt and we shoot and we target. Uh, they know how to respect all that, but they learn that from me, from their father. And when you're not learning that from somebody that is a, is a father figure, but is a peer, you know, one-on-one -on -one this way, your level, uh, when you start in the gangs, that's, that's not going to work out well. And it hasn't, you know, and, it, and that's a failure on our part. As men, we became passive. You know, we're passive. Every, if you talk about the original, the original sin, everybody will say, oh, well, the woman, you know, tempted him with an apple. If you do anything with the body, you know, that's what they'll defend. And no, it's when that serpent came in, man didn't stand up and stand toe to toe with that serpent and say, let's go and defend his wife, that, this, defend his mate. That's the original sin is passivity. And we got to come over that as men. And that's where I see where you guys are coming through and talking. You know, it doesn't make us ogres, doesn't make us warriors, doesn't make us tyrants. It means we just got to stand up for what we are. And that that's men. That's men being authentic men as what all this is going, you know, what all this is doing and what it's all going through. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, um, I don't know if you're aware, but we have um, like, bi-weekly parent and support groups yeah and um we had one last night actually and the topic was uh happy wife happy life mm 
Mm -hmm. Do you um, like, do you agree with that adage or what do you think about that? If I don't, I, I, I get the saying and that, you know, <laughs> I, I get that, but it's the way, and we go around and around my wife and I and that on there, uh, we go around and around on that. Uh, you know, if I, if she's happy, then everybody's happy. Well, think about it, put it in the neighborhood, just take it to your neighborhood. Can you go around and make everybody in your neighborhood happy? The happiness got to come. You can't, I mean, it's just impossible. So guys will chase their tails trying to make their wife happy. I mean, you will. I, I mean, I've done it and it's, it just don't work. It's like, you know, I can't help it. I, I keep it this simple. If I wake up and I thank God every morning I wake up and I'm on the green side of grass. Because when I wake up and I'm on the brown side, it's like, you know, it's, it's over. I mean, that's just, if you keep it that simple and life is that good, you're on the green side of grass. You're on the top side. I don't get any better than that. And the happy wife, she's the emotion side of a relationship so yeah you want to do a man will do whatever he can to please his wife but if he's constantly chasing that and not doing stuff to keep him centered and him together he'll get messed up real quick man real quick <laughs> i mean it's i don't know what you guys said because i didn't catch up on that podcast i didn't catch up on it i had to work late last night so i didn't get to see that one but I wanted to. I want to tune into it. I'd I'd like to tune into it and get it because I definitely wanted to hear that. That I mean, it struck a bell with me. So okay. Well, we uh, we do it through Zoom. So uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could, yeah. I'll uh, definitely uh, invite you to it. Uh, yeah. If you uh, yeah, I just I had, I got a pretty good sized case going and I had to work late last night. So um, yeah. No big. Anyway. So we talked about the lesson you learned from your dad. What uh, what lessons did you learn from your kids? Well, as you become a dad and you, you know, uh, your kids are grown now. So I already yeah. know you have some lessons from them. They're, teach they're teaching me and keeping me up to date. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, they're both college educated. And they're both, you know, got jobs. And so they want to say, keep telling me, no, it's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. You got to loosen up. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And they'll come back. And they may say to me, oh, you were right, dad. You know, then I'll turn around. I have no problems going to them saying, man, you were right on this one. I was wrong. And that's a big thing as 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 a father, I think being that honest with your kids, you know, I screwed up and I, you know, I tell them that, you know, nobody can sit here and say they don't get in arguments with their other half, whether it's man or, you know, husband or wife or your significant other, you're going to get in arguments. And they're like, I raised you guys knowing what I knew. There's no book on being a parent. I mean, you learn as you go, unfortunately, and there's no one book you can go. So the only thing I can do is be honest with you and just say, yeah, you know, I screwed up at times, but 
I'm, I'm moving on from there. I'm not walking out. I'm not saying, you know, this is the end or, you know, it's, I'm, I'm done with it and giving up. I'm going to stay in there and fight for my family. And, and that's one thing that they, they have complimented me on is saying that you taught us to be strong and respectful. So that's huge for both of us. I don't know if that makes sense or not, guys, but <laughs> I, I, I mean, they, you got to be willing to, you know, you got, I got to, I'm not perfect. And I tell them that I'm not perfect and I'll admit it when I'm wrong. Um, and I'll let them know when, when they're crossing the line and why they're crossing the line with me. Like I was saying that, fem, you know, my niece called me a feminist and I'm like, what the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> My sister is like, I knew what was coming and you should have seen it because he was telling you, but <laughs> I think being open and honest with your kids at any age, that's the biggest thing. My son, my son's in a basketball league. I don't know if you've heard of him, Bud Crawford. He's a boxer here from Omaha. He's a lightweight. He's a world champ. Yeah, he plays basketball with Yeah, he plays yeah. basketball with him in his league. He's down there with them all the time, playing with Bud. Probably Bud's not playing now because he's getting ready for his next fight. Yeah, Sean Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm and, a big uh, boxing fan. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. You, yeah, you know, my son plays ball with him, and and uh, he's like, Dad, you know, I'm only – there's only four, four of us white guys, and two of them are over seven foot. And he says, I'm down here playing with these guys. And what he's learning from, it was interesting. He, you know, it was hot during the summer. They had a summer league and he was going to walk out, you know, with no shirt on. Man, them guys jumped all over him. Says, you don't be doing that down here. Says, you're, you know, you're going into some serious gang. You're a white guy, number one. And then you're going into gang territory and you're, you're kind of setting the tone for you want to see who can challenge you. There's some guys down here you don't want to mess with, you know. And I asked him, you know, I said, okay, so what'd you take from he, he said, I'm glad these guys told me, you know, I never realized any of that. I said, so they're being honest with you. And they obviously saw something in you that you can go down and play ball with them and then go out to dinner with them afterwards. So they're seeing something. So I said, this, you know, that's what it's all about. That's where I talked about at the beginning, being upfront, being trustworthy, and everybody starts with a clean slate. So he, he did say Bud Crawford's a much better boxer than any is a ball player. So I said, don't tell him that to his face. So now, if he listens to this, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah, I know. But he'll call him out. He'll call him out. So, um, like, what, what you, um, Okay, I was gonna ask you another question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that when they ask you this one. So when uh, because we are like getting close to time. So throughout like the interview, you talked about being on the on the brown side of the grass, right? Yeah. So when that time comes, what do you want your um, you know your wife and your children to to say about you? That I had. <laughs> that I had a lot of good friends. I did the best. I did the best that I could. And it's not the best that other people are going to do it better than me. Some people are going to do it worse, but I did the best I could 
is reaching out and touching people and helping them and being friends, you know. Um, I have a hard time saying no to people when they ask for help. I really do. Um, so I can wear myself out quite a bit. <laughs> um, not being able to say no when, when people need help. Um, and that's with anything. So hopefully it'll go that way. I mean, they got a, they got enough on both sides, I guess. To, <laughs> they, I'll let them make their decision on that, but it'll work out. I got confidence it'll work out. Uh, cool, cool. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question that you already answered. But really, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read your answer. Uh, when, I book, when I told you to book the call, I told you to answer this question. Uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And Ted, you had a great answer. You said, fatherhood is the greatest responsibility that has the greatest rewards and comes with the greatest challenges. Yep. Three exclamation points after that for the people that didn't see Ted's response. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ted, if you can elaborate more on that. Well, um, you know, I talked about um, my, past, my past growing up with my father uh, being an alcoholic. So the greatest rewards, um, actually, you know, our kids are going to go out or they choose to go off to college. My son um, decided to uh, party a little way too hard. And I, uh, we have what they call a God call at 911. They don't trace them. But he ended up walking home by himself and put his hand, his right arm through a, a window. He's stumbling around, you know, he's partied way too hard and um, actually bled out and coded a couple times. And when we got the call at night and I've given that call in my profession, which isn't easy, but uh, we got that call and he went to school. He was down in uh, about 50 miles from here, from our house about three in the morning and they're like, you need to come down here. The best case scenario is he's gonna lose his right arm, may lose his life. I mean, he had bled out, um, severed his artery in the right under the arm. And uh, put faith in a, you know, put faith in the guy upstairs and just, I mean, that's all you can do is pray. And it's in, told my wife on the way down there, I'm like, he's where he needs to be. He's in the trauma unit. I know what these guys can do in the trauma unit. And that's where we can't do anything. And as we, we, you know, when the pastor, when the minister comes down to see you, you know, it's pretty severe in the hospital. And uh, then you turn around and I think he's still on the record books for passing in that in his college. I mean, he recovered and uh, the worst case scenario, he doesn't have any feeling in his middle finger. And he said, that's okay, dad, because when I throw the ball, I hit that helmet of that guy rushing me. And I don't feel it anymore. So the greatest rewards is see him make it through all that, you know, go through that entire time when you're telling him as a dad, don't do this. This is what I grew up with. You don't be doing this. And then they do it. <laughs> you know? 
And then you're sitting there, okay, he's either going to die or he's going to lose his right arm. Well, that's a throwing arm. And you're a dad and you're proud of him. You want him to play football. He's only a freshman. Yeah, he started the last two years in, in his college career and had winning seasons and did real good. Then graduated with a 3-9 grade point average. So, yeah, he put it all together. So that's why I say <laughs> You teach them, you buy, you know, the old adage, you buy them books and buy them books and buy them books, but they don't have to read it. Well, there it is all laid out. And uh, so I keep his uh, highlights known from his last game. Uh, so I can lock onto that anytime and see what he can do. Cause he had, he had the touch to sling that ball. So uh, that's, <laughs> that was a, that was a ride. So, and everybody goes through it at different, you know, like I said, everybody struggles with their kids at some point, telling them what to do and what not to do, and then they do it. And you got to work through it. And you know, he did. And we've been fortunate, and our relationship is so much better than what my relationship was with my dad at the same age. Yeah, if if that can, you know, I I saw what happened in my childhood and wasn't going to let that happen for me to pass it on. You got to really affirm that. Um, and I've heard that from some, uh, a couple of you guys. I think uh, Kevin Franklin was his name. He said that his dad always held him accountable. That was huge hearing that from him. And then um, Mix, we talked about it, Dr. Young, that Mick's dad, when he said that his dad was staunch old school um, and going through that. So make that adjustment, man. And that's, that's where it is. You got to set as a father, you got to sacrifice. And I don't mean being a helicopter pilot, but, and, and hovering over the kids, but you got to show them that you're there in thick or thin. And that's why I said at the beginning, you know, time is the most valuable thing you can give your kids as a father. Uh, mm. It's the most valuable thing. And I've seen that so many times on the streets and in my professional career. Uh, and outside of that, um, it seems pretty simple, but it is, it really is that simple, giving them time. I don't know if you saw, but Royce uh, gave you a heart on that comment. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was huge, man. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of those quotes. That's a quotable. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Wow. That's big. So, Dr. Young, I, I don't know if you want to qualify this as this, but uh, I think we should. It's a Hall of Fame episode already. What you oh, think? Sure, sure. All right, Ted, so we're going gonna to hang it up in the rafters. <laughs> <now, man. laughs> That's it, man. I hear you. I look forward to. to I look forward to listening to you guys on the podcast, man. I really do. Yeah. And what you guys are doing is a grand slam home run. 100 yard touchdown pass. I'm just telling you, oh, you guys man. got it together. Appreciate you. Keep, keep so you on that. The quarterback pass. is on the one yard line and he throws the ball and the <laughs> guy it. catches it and keeps running and he scores. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> and you guys are doing it. I, I really mean that coming yeah. from, Thank you know, you. I mean that immensely. And it's men mentoring men to be authentic men. And I see you guys got it. It means so much to hear that coming out of Chicago. So it's huge, man. Keep it up. Well, we will. Thank you. Appreciate you.
Thank you, guys. Thank you. Now, Ted, one of the last questions we ask is, uh, if you had to give advice to, to any dad that's listening to this, uh, what would that be? The biggest advice that I can give to fathers is, and, and, it, and it does boil down to that time, I love to hunt and fish constantly. I mean, I, I can do that constantly. But while my kids were growing up, uh, that all went by the wayside and I focused on their school, their sports, my wife, the family. And, you know, that's mowing the lawn, cleaning the house, doing whatever it takes. And guys laugh at me, you know, some big dude like me, they picture it on the end of the vacuum cleaning the house. And I'm how that happens, you know, you just, but life comes full circle. And now they're enjoying their life and I get to go back and doing what I'm doing. Don't think you're going to miss out on anything as a man sat, uh, making your sacrifice for your family and your kids. You will not miss out because you will see it come back to you later on in life tenfold. You really will. Great advice. Great advice, Ted. All right, so we, I know we... Um, we're at, at the time. So, uh, so Royce, did you have any other questions? I'm good. I got plenty more questions, Ted. Uh, <laughs> hey, I told you I'm open. I'm open. I can roll as long as you guys. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I got your phone number, man. We got, we definitely got to uh, have another conversation outside of this, for sure. I'd love it. I'd love it, man. But yeah, for this for this uh, podcast, I think uh, we we kind of covered a lot. Uh, this is one of the ones we can have a part two for. Cause I, I, a few of these podcasts that we've had, I can I can see there's more to the story than what's been told during this forty five minutes to an hour. So, uh, you know, I would definitely consider this as a as a part two type episode. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Anytime, Royce. Anytime. <laughs> Yeah, so this has been, this has been great, Ted. Uh, so uh, for myself, for Sir Royce, Brialis, and for Ted Green, and for Dr. Raheem Young, uh, thank you for listening to WTF Interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements. And Ted, do not hang up. We got some more to talk about. We're going to have a little okay. uh, post-game, if you will. <laughs> right. I'm on. So let me stop the recording. Boom.